Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gents, John Mattis here, the host of Off the Post. I got a special episode here. I was in Buffalo to do a story unrelated to the Sabres uh, and got the chance to sit down with Bill Hoppy. He uh, he is a beat writer for the Times Herald. Uh, BuffaloHockeyBeat.com is where you can find his work. And me and Bill, we we talk about the Sabres, what's gone wrong, what we can learn from this mess of a rebuild, uh, and and try to relate it to the greater context of the NHL and how you can build a team from scratch. Because there's a handful of teams that have figured it out, uh, and luck plays into it, as we mentioned throughout the episode. And then there's a handful of teams that have not figured it out whatsoever and remain in uh, a pretty unfavorable situation a couple of years into what is supposed to be um, hope and and goodness at the at the other side of the rainbow. Um, the Sabers are probably uh, the gold standard, if you want to put it that way, uh, <laughs> for for bad rebuilds. Uh, they haven't really gotten off the ground since since drafting Jack Eichel. Um, so. Uh, we use we use them as as a uh, a jumping off point, and uh, again they're gonna be at the bottom of the standings. Um, it's it's shake your head worthy stuff going on in Buffalo. So without further ado, Bill Hoppy rebuilds and the Buffalo Sabers. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. with Bill Hoppy of the Times Herald and buffalohockeybeat.com. Bill, what's going on, man? A whole lot here, actually. It's a, another terrible season for the Sabres. Uh, this caught everyone off guard. I think everyone thought they were going to be maybe not a playoff team, but they would be They would be improved. Maybe they could hang around the playoff race a little bit, that they would be fun to watch, that they would play the right way to have success in the future. And nothing. none of it's happened. So here we are at the end of another bad season but thank you for having me john wow <laughs> we're we're at uh we're at the rink right now in the press box and the optimism is just it's just reverberating off of your skin right now oh uh, well i mean i'm not the <laughs> only one who's not very optimistic uh i i do think they have good people in place as far as jason bottrell people if you talk to people who know, knew jason bottrell from pittsburgh uh they're adamant if he's given the time that he'll make a winner out of the sabers and uh, Phil Housley, I still think he was a good choice to coach the team. Uh, not everything about him has impressed me, but uh, I think he has a good handle on things. People ask me if Phil Housley's in over his head, and I say no. It, it just the Sabers are a bad team, and that's that's the problem. They're it's not one or two little flaws. It's not coaching. It's it's just a bad team all around. So uh, I'm not very optimistic right now, but. Maybe in a few months when they make some changes, I'll be optimistic. But the fan base has just checked out on this team. They're just, I mean, tickets are, you can't give them away. They're going for $6 on the secondary market, and people still don't want them. It's just it's just a bad season all around in, in a lot of ways. So before we get too, too in-depth on the Sabres, 
this episode, I want to talk about the Sabres in the context of how to build a National Hockey League team from scratch, essentially, or how to <laughs> properly rebuild. Yeah. And I realize that th- that seems like an oxymoron, but maybe lessons that other teams can learn from the Sabres. Oh, boy. And uh, a note to listeners, too, the, the, we're... What do they call it now? Not the Marine Midland, not the uh, Key HSBC, Bank Center. The Key Bank Center. We're at the Key Bank Center, and the Zamboni is currently on the ice. So yep. you may hear some background noise, uh, but it's good. It's, it's hockey noise. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It kind of gives it a, a hockey feel. I agree. <laughs> so, okay. So we're going to talk about rebuilds, and my first question to you, and you already sort of went on a mini rant about it, but my first <laughs> question to you is what is going on in Buffalo? Why is this team constantly in the bottom two or three teams in the standings at the end of every year because that's where they're headed this year once again and when they don't make the playoffs recognize that i didn't say if they don't when they don't make the playoffs (laughs) it'll be the seventh straight year and uh i believe the third after drafting eichel so to you oh boy where do i start my whole thing is that tanking isn't a strategy uh the first obviously those those back-to-back uh, 30th place finishes in 2013, 14, and 14, 15 were by design, and they wanted, they wanted that. They wanted to, to finish last and get those high draft picks and get Connor McDavid. They had to settle for Eichel, which is pretty good settling, but they just they went too far with it. They just they tore everything down and they 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 gave away every valuable piece. I mean, it got to the point in 14, 15 where you know they were just trading all their goalies. The, the, the goalies were terrific, Jonas Enroth, Michael Neuvert, and they were trading their their goalies for. The, literally the league's worst backups. They got uh, Anders Limbach back and Chad Johnson, who really have turned out playing very well in Buffalo. But uh, they were just they were doing everything they could to finish last. And when you do that, you just you leave yourself no margin for error on the way back up. And they expedited the rebuild. It was basically flip a switch. Okay, we finished 30th overall. We got the second overall pick. We got Jack Eichel. It's time to win. And they, they made too many bold moves. I mean, they brought in good guys, don't get me wrong, and Ryan O'Reilly. Um, who else did they bring in? They brought in Robin Leonard, who I don't think it was the worst move bringing in Robin Leonard, but they gave up way too much for him, a first-round pick. Uh, oh, Evander Kane, that was actually during 2014-15. They just gave up way, way too much for those guys. If you go back and look at the trades, uh, just – uh, young prospects like Brendan Lemieux, Joel Armia, first rounders, uh, Nikita Zadorov, the, the young Russian defenseman. Uh, so they, they they gave up more of, <laughs> uh, excuse me, they gave up a lot of uh, their prospects. They gave up draft picks, uh, and, and you know these these deals basically wound up being seven, six for one or two assets back, and this is a, a team that was already down in the dumps that was starting from scratch. So that's where it started going wrong after the tank, I, I would say. So the scorched earth, you're in the camp of that is not at least in the NHL. You could argue MLB, NBA that it might work, but in the NHL, at least based on what's happened. In Buffalo, you think that's probably a poor decision to go scorch earth, and that's essentially what they did. Because out of all the teams that were tanking for McDavid, quote unquote, it was very obvious that the the Buffalo Sabers were um, were doing things directly related to finishing last in the league. Like it's almost I don't want to say karma, but it it almost seems uh, disingenuous. Like there's one thing to 
um, not put your best foot forward, so to speak, you know, not pursue the best opportunities, uh, maybe in free agency or on the trade market, but to, to more or less purposely tank your season, uh, when there's other ways of going about losing, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, I mean, and, and then Tim Murray gets, gets let go. He obviously didn't see this through. He, he had a, he had some leash there after drafting Eichel, but it seems like that whole two or three year period um, might set them back. I don't know how many years, but but it could end up being you know I, I don't know three or four more years before right. they're respectable. Right, because you look at where the Sabers are right now, and yes, they have Jack Eichel, uh, they have Ryan O'Reilly, they have Rasmus Ristolainen, they have uh, a pretty good Rochester team. Uh, there aren't a ton of prospects on Rochester, but they have Linus Allmark, a goalie, who I think should be their starter next year. Okay. They have Brendan Gooley, who's up right now, actually. Uh, I think he's a terrific defenseman, one of the NHL's most underrated prospects. You know, they have guys like C.J. Smith, who was one of the AHL's top scorers early on, who's hurt right now, who could, you know, move into a third, fourth line role. They, they have some legit prospects down there. But th- there's no easy way out of this for them right now. The, the, ro- the NHL roster is really bad. They just they don't have the depth they don't have a lot of guys ready to graduate they don't have a ton of guys and you know draft picks in college or junior that you're really looking to that that a guy's coming up uh there's i mean i don't see any scenario where they make the playoffs next year or maybe even two years from now i mean who knows what's who who knows what's going to transpire but there's no quick fix for them and and that it's all related to tanking uh you know the, the, the two years they basically took off, uh, it just, it, like you say, it went beyond a simple rebuild. It went beyond, you know, a lot of, some teams tear it down, but they, they still have the integrity of wanting to win. They know they might want, might not win, but they still have the integrity of, you know, we're not, this might not be our best season, but we're going to try to field the best lineup we can. We might not make the big splashy move to win right away, but that's with an eye on the future. Uh, but they still they still want to give their fans a good product. Uh, it's just their heart's in the right place that they want to they, they they feel they're doing the right thing for the future. And the, the Sabers probably felt that way too. But they, it just it was a it was a ridiculous strategy. And one of the reasons it worked here was because the fans wanted it. The fans, uh, I mean Connor McDavid early in 2014-15 played a game here with the Erie Otters. It was Erie Otters' home game against Niagara. And he put on a show as you would expect, and it just whet the appetite. And uh, uh, the fans had a big role in this too, just wanting that. And I understand wanting Jack Eichel or wanting Connor McDavid, excuse me. But it just—I uh, think a lot of people thought that fans, the organization, a lot, just a lot of people thought like, well, all right, we'll get Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, and we'll start winning again. We'll have all these assets, these draft picks that we've also compiled from from uh, selling off our talent but it just hasn't worked that way well let's talk about in my mind there's three things at play with a rebuild in the nhl you know there's strategy so what are we doing here what's our plan uh and you see it with uh with the scorched earth or you go rebuild which is more say the new jersey devils and what they've turned into um and then there's you know you could retool which is what the the new york rangers are trying to do right now Mm -hmm. they come out and and flat out say we're trying to 
to retool. They didn't sell off all their assets. They still have some young, very promising NHLers, not just prospects, NHLers. Um, and then there's different ways that you can go about your strategy. You can be conserv- conservative like Carolina was for the past uh, three or four years that got you know Ron Francis uh, essentially uh, promoted slash demoted. If, if <laughs> so, he got promoted to, to president, but he, he's hands off with the hockey right. decisions. So he basically got demoted. Uh, that was a couple days ago, um, and a part of that was because he just wasn't pulling the trigger on anything substantial. Um, and then you have you know an aggressive strategy uh, to 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 go sort of counter to to Francis, and that would be Peter Shirelli in Edmonton getting Connor McDavid and maybe making too many moves in, in, in succession to try to get to that elite level. Um, so there's a strategy that I see there. Uh, and then there's personnel. So who do you have in place at the ownership level, management level, coaches? I think development staff is probably very underrated. You know, you draft these guys. They don't just all of a sudden become NHL stars. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And I think, I think uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, given all the resources that they have, um, they've they've benefited from that. They're, the Marlies are basically an NHL team. The way that they're treated, their coach, uh, the type of support that they have, uh, you know, from sports science to, to whatever. So I think resources is a big thing. Strategy and then just plain luck. Look, and you were bringing up Buffalo fans being okay with with the tank. And the reason why they were okay is because they thought if we finish last, we're probably going to get McDavid. This is going to be awesome. But the the balls didn't bounce their way at the draft lottery, and even though everyone would 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 agree, I think in the hockey world that Jack Eichel is a great consolation prize. He's still not Connor McDavid, so mm-hmm. your luck has to go that way. It has to, you know. There's a draft lottery to consider, and then also just picking the right players further in the draft. You look at, um, you know, Reinhardt over over Drysital, uh, Reinhardt over uh, William Nylander, and, and in hindsight, you can you can talk about this all day, but. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you don't have those players. You have Sam Reinhardt, right? So that plays into it. The timing of every move coming together, you know, is is the GM getting the right guy in free agency, um, and, and maybe is is the GM deciding to to sort of press the go button on on taking it to the next step at the right time when the other teams aren't maybe necessarily uh, taking giant steps forward. Um, so there, the, from my from my vantage point, there's a there's sort of three sections. You got the strategy, the personnel, and the luck. And I think the luck is is uh, is something you know you more or less can't control. But um, if you do the other two right, I think yeah, you can take some bad luck and still be okay. And then here we are with Buffalo, and I don't want to comment too much about their their personnel. You would know way better than that. But uh, the other two have not panned out with strategy and luck. No, and just uh, as far as your luck thing. Uh Mike Babcock, Babcock was actually in town uh, Monday, and he was talking. Or er, I, sun- I actually have the quote right here. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'll read it off. Just and then you can, you can talk about it. So this is Mike Babcock. We got fortunate in the draft lottery. It was one of those things that was beyond our control, and it worked out for us. But most of the stuff is within your control. How you go about doing your job every day, how you scout, how you trade, how you control your cap, how you manage your product. To me, you're not hoping to get lucky there. You're hoping to do it right and work hard and be smarter than the next guy and get ahead. That's what it's all about. That's why you want to be in the best league because you want to compete against the best. There are 31 teams that are trying to be the best they can be, just like us. You've got to do a better job than they do. Otherwise, you can't get to the top and stay there. 
Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And he, basically, he's saying is like, uh, you know, the bounce of a ping pong ball helps, but it's a whole lot more than that. And I, I think I, I think there were, uh, you know, people here that thought, you know, they would get. Uh, Jack Eichel or Conor McDavid, and the rest would take care of itself. And I, 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 th- that's not to say that people weren't uh, willing to put the work in or, or they had all the wrong people everywhere. But I, I think, I, I definitely think there's some, I think this, I'm, I'm talking more about fans at this point. Sure. There's some fans who just thought, well, you know, we got Jack Eichel, we have some of these prospects, we have draft pick, you know, it's all going to work out. But it's so much more than that. It, 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 it's, it, it's developing guys, it, it's, it's hitting late round draft picks. It, it, it's it, it's it's a million different things it takes to become a good team, and the Sabers just haven't hit on those, and they haven't been lucky, like you say, either. They haven't uh, they haven't gotten the bounce of the ping pong ball for number one overall. They they haven't uh, you know they took Sam Reinhardt second overall, and he's playing very well recently. Right. But yeah, I mean you can you can argue that taking some other. I mean they could have moved down in the draft a few spots and still gotten a really, really good player. I think Pasternak's in that draft. There's yeah, he was like a bunch of high-end guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so most teams how, passed on him. So. Right, and even even uh, you know taking Alexander Nylander, uh, ninth overall two years ago. I mean, they pick, passed on Jacob Chikrin. They passed on Mikhail Sergachev. They passed on Charlie McAvoy. How would you how would you evaluate Nylander's uh, development so far? He's still super young, but... I feel like he was uh, there was more buzz around him at the time of the selection versus now. Oh, definitely. Uh, I just I don't uh, you know I've seen him play in Rochester and he actually did when I was in Rochester last week. He he made a assertive physical play that led to okay. a goal, but I I don't see enough of that from him. I think he you know I watch him play and I, I, you don't notice him and. And granted, he, he, he just turned 20. He's been basically the youngest player in the AHL or one of the youngest for, for two seasons. But at a certain point, you expect him, his talents to take over. You expect the lessons from uh, Chris Taylor, who is a very good AHL coach, in my opinion, to take, o- to take over, that he has to play a certain way to be successful. But I just I haven't seen much. Uh, I mean, he, again, he's 20, but... And I'm not ready to call him a bust. Of course, but uh, you you need you, you need to see his talent shine through. I mean, he's more talented than most of the players down there. I can tell you that. Well, and when I was at the World Juniors and watching him, and even on TV, you can notice this that he just um, he plays on the perimeter. He yeah, doesn't. He is, there, there's no player. sort of urgency, and he's just sort of he's fine on the power play because that's what you can do. You can hang out in your spot and wait for the puck. But it it, it sort of reeked of. Like not having the intensity. I know that sound. I sound like an old school guy, but it just yeah. it reeked of sort of. <laughs> no, he's agree. not driving to the net. He's not like a lot of the best players in the world will do anything for the puck. Will if they lose the puck, they're getting it back. You right. think of Austin Matthews, Sidney Crosby. If they lose the puck, the 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 biggest thing in their world for the next you know twenty seconds is getting that mm-hmm. back. Or if it's in the corner and they can go get it, they're like you think of Mitch Marner. He's he's constantly like chasing the puck around and and. You know, staying within position most times. Um, but with Nylander, Alex Nylander, it seems like that X factor, so to speak, is is not really there. I don't know if that's something that can uh, a coach just needs to sit him down and watch hours of video and go, "Did you see yourself, you know, asserting yourself there or not? Do you want to be? You know what I mean? Like sort mm-hmm. of a tough love thing, or if it's something that just will never come. I don't know. 
Uh, I haven't seen much of it so far. Uh, and you, it, two, almost two full seasons into his professional career, you wonder if it will come. But I mean, if you want a bright spot, last week I did see him make an assertive play that I, I don't think he scored it. I think someone else scored it, but he got an assist, and it led to a goal. And I asked Chris Taylor about it after the game, and he was he was just he was talking about. You know, basically how that's what he needs to do. And, you know, even, you know, he could have kept the puck on that play, too. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this offseason. Uh, he's not Jason Bottrell's guy. He uh, he he was a Tim Murray pick. Um, it just it stings even more, I think, for the fan base and for the organization, probably, that you see Charlie McAvoy having so much success. Jacob Chikrin has been pretty good from what I understand. I haven't seen him play a lot. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev looks like a, he could be a 45-50 point defenseman someday if he's not this year or next, whatever next year. So uh, that makes it sting even more, especially because the Sabres need a defenseman badly. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with him this summer. Is, does he have value? He has some value, I would think, but uh, is he? could he bring back another prospect? Could he bring back a high draft pick? I'm not sure. Yeah. I guess the jury's still out on him as a guy who's who's only 20. Let's talk about the core of, of the Sabres then. Uh, it's a perfect time to bring that up. Obviously, Eichel is, is there for, you know, uh, really as long as he wants to be is right. what it comes down to. He's locked up. Uh, the, I believe the $10 million kicks in next year, right? Right. Okay. And then uh, you have Ryan O'Reilly, Kyle Okpozo, uh, Alex Nylander, as we mentioned, Casey Middlestadt, you think Cliff Pooh and Casey uh, Fitzgerald or other forwards that will um, will develop and presumably be part of this team if this team continues down the road it's going? Um, do I have that right? You're the, you're the expert here. Like which which guys are in the Sabers' opinion part of this long term core? Because there's a lot of guys coming off the books either next year right. or the year after. Right, there are a lot of guys coming off the books. They'll probably buy out Matt Molson, Josh George's contract is expiring. I'm probably missing someone else in there. So as, as far as core, uh, I think anyone basically other than Jack Eichel or Brendan Gooley or another guy here or there, uh, maybe Linus Allmark or um, I'm not sure. Maybe it ends there. I think basically uh, you have, let's see, R- Rasmus Vistelainen. I think Rasmus Vistelainen could be in play. Um you mentioned Cliff and, and, and Casey. They're, they're good prospects. But, again, not drafted by Jason Bottrell. I think basically anyone could be in play uh, this offseason. I really do. Now, there's guys like, you know, you have a Casey Nelson who uh, people thought he's a pretty good prospect, but I don't think he was high on the radar. Now, for, for you know, six, seven weeks here, he's been one of their best defensemen. He's been playing 20 minutes. Uh He's been their biggest surprise this season. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, Jack Eichel's BU teammate, uh, has been very good at times at center winger. Uh, very speedy. Uh, might have 20 goal potential. I don't think they're going to sign or, or trade him. But I think basically, more or less, anyone could be in play. Even Rasmus Ristolainen, even uh, Sam Reinhardt. Although I, I'm. I, I, I'm apt to think they'll, they'll keep him after his recent hot stretch. Uh, but they need to make a splash, and I really think that Ryan O'Reilly, if someone's willing to take on his contract, could be in play. Uh, Ristolainen, you think of him as a, as a workhorse, as a 
as a point producer, and, and he is those things, but I don't think he's gotten to the level that anyone really expected as being an elite defenseman. Maybe he could be in play if you get another defenseman back, another puck mover. So I I don't know if there's really any untouchables other than, than Jack Eichel. That seems, if I'm a Sabres fan, that seems a little depressing that they've gone through. Let, let like I feel like this era starts when they drafted Jack Eichel. Uh-huh. From that era, like who's going to be around? Is it is, is it like you know, th- essentially three years um, wasted? Where yeah, at, at the end of this season, are you res- are you resetting again? Because based on the way you sort of went down the roster, it's like no one's job is safe. Uh, no one has made a strong enough impression for them to go. Uh, we like what you're doing here, and, and you're part of the core. Like it seems like it's it's still very much in flux, which is a little a little concerning from a you know if you're a Sabres fan. It definitely is in flux, and I think what's happened here is that you, there's been turnover on the roster, turnover in the regime's coaches, but the losing atmosphere has just lingered. Uh, it's lingered, and they, they've had bad teams. It's just, it hasn't made for a good culture, and I think there's been a ripple effect with players on the ice when you have bad players don't make you know play the player next to them better, and good teams the good player will make the player next to them that much better and i i think there's been a lot of ripple effect as far as as that uh just uh, so i i think i think there'll be a splash this off season i don't know what i think there'll be a lot of turnover i think there's guys on the roster that they just uh, they just have to get rid of uh there's guys with expiring contracts but there's guys that they i think they need to get rid of but I, i'm not sure how they'll get rid of them because maybe they've been good players at some point in their career, but I'm not sure how much the other 30 teams really value them. And we saw some of that at the trade deadline where, and I, I who knows what went down, but I thought right. Benoit Pouliot would have some value. Uh, a team would want him to, for their third or fourth line. He can play up and down the lineup. He can do a lot of good things. But they really didn't have any offers. Now, did, did Jason Botchel just figure, well, instead of taking a seventh-round pick, I'll keep Benoit Pouliot or whoever? I don't know. But they they so. The, uh, the early test, the trade deadline, was that these guys don't have very much value. Do you give a mulligan to uh, to Housley and Botterill this season in in regards to the play on the ice? Like, is it two guys who are brand new to their roles as head coach and GM? They've been around the league. You know, Housley was with Nashville, highly touted. Botterill was with Pittsburgh, highly touted. But they weren't in the GM and head coach role. That's a dip. Like, if they had made the playoffs, it would have been an incredible story. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Um, so, do you give them a mulligan this season? But then, do the expectations go up next season? Because it's like, okay, you had your time to to get settled. Now let's go. I do give them a bit of a mulligan this season, and I will say, I don't, I don't think they'll quite come out and say it like this. But once they got to the inside and the season started, this is much more difficult than Phil Housley and Jason Bottrell expected. They knew it would be tough. I don't want to make it sound like that. Yeah. But uh, they, I, I think part of them, they're, they're shocked at how bad the, the team has been. And But, I mean, some of it does lay on them, and I, I, don't really, I don't blame them for this at all. But, I mean, here we are in March, and the moves that Jason Bottrell made, uh, J, uh, Marco Scandella was a good pick. Or a good pickup from the Minnesota yeah, Wild. Was, I, think, I think he's been what they expected. Playing 20 minutes, uh, first pair type guy, can put up some points. Uh, 
but he also brought in Jason Pominville, who uh, I know very well, and I think uh, I have a lot of respect for just the career he's had. And he's, he has been good at times this year, and I think he's terrific for that locker room, uh, terrific uh, just as a guy who's won here, who knows what it takes, who's as professional as I've ever seen. Uh, and he does have 11 goals and, 20, and 27 points, but he, he's gone uh, some really dry stretches this year. He still has a year left on his contract. Uh, he brought in Nathan Beaulieu, who, who's been injured. He's never found a groove. Uh, he was a healthy scratch for the first time on Thursday night in Ottawa. So the, the moves he made, he really didn't made, make major moves, but a lot of the moves he made haven't really, I'm probably forgetting another move, haven't really paid off Uh haven't paid a lot of dividends. Um, Jacob Josephson, he scored the shootout winner Thursday. He's, you know, he, he's a third, fourth line center. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I think Scott Wilson's been okay. I could see him being uh, a third, fourth liner next season. He can chip. He is underrated offensive talent. He's won a Stanley Cup. That means a lot. But Jason Bottrell didn't make a lot of notable moves. Uh, to make this team better. He made some moves, but n- nothing crazy in my opinion. And Phil Housley, uh, the, the power play is basically gone from first to worst. <laughs> which you, which seems it's crazy. Like bizarre world considering it's Phil Housley. Yeah, it's Phil Housley. Uh, power pl- I mean, one of the greatest power play guys literally yeah. in history, a Hall yeah. of Famer. Uh, so, I mean, technically Davis Payne is in charge of the power play, but, I mean, it's all under Phil Housley's yeah. watch. Um the, fa- the the power play has gotten better, where you can see why it was number one last year. Uh, but um, and, and for a while, I mean, I don't think I can't remember how long it was, but the d- defense didn't have a goal for the first couple of months, or maybe it was more than that. I, f- forgive me, I don't remember. But we're talking about Phil Housley, one of the highest scoring defensemen. I think he's fourth in NHL history. A Phil Housley coach team, who, who their defense didn't score a goal for the first chunk of the season. It's incredible. But that goes back to, you know, Phil Housley comes here with a reputation as having that fast Nashville defense, and that's the way Phil Housley wants to play. He wants to play fast. He wants to play the way you remember him, the way you remember the, the Predators playing in recent seasons. And the Sabres basically don't have the horses to do it. So, I mean, they, do, they, they, they get a little of the blame, but uh, most of it, no, they, they, don't, they don't deserve it. I don't want to make this all about the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but <laughs> when... Go ahead. Well, I mean, they're right... Like, it's sort of a... It's an easy comparison. They mm-hmm. start the rebuild right around the same time, right down the, the highway from each other. Um, with the Leafs, and again, they have all the resources in the world. Um, what happened with them was they hire a president, Brendan Shanahan. He clears out, you know, scouts. He clears out the GM. Uh, basically, starting from scratch, both on the ice and off the ice... And goes and tries to get the biggest fish possible in terms of Mike Babcock. He does it. I know that Buffalo was mm-hmm. was on his uh, on his short list. So they win that. Lou Lamorello, Kyle Dubas. You know, you go up and down the list of their their staff page, and it's it's um, people that that are very highly regarded. And they they sort of went about it in a way where they took care of their off ice uh, team first mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know the the Sabers. Tim Murray drafts Jack Eichel, and and he's uh, Eichel's in his third season, and he's not even here to to see it unfold because Botterill's now in charge. And I realize that you know it, things aren't linear, and and that you know not everything makes sense or should you know go according to plan. But it seems like the Leafs went out of their way to clean things up overall. 
uh, off the ice. And, I mean, it, it, they have nothing to brag about in terms of the last 20 years. Uh, right. the, the Maple Leafs in terms of what they've produced, uh, wins and losses. Uh, so it was, it was definitely time. It was definitely overdue. But looking around the league, I wonder if that's a strategy or if that's a way of starting from scratch is putting the right people in charge and then – and another thing that they did was Mike Babcock came out and said, literally said, there will be pain. Mm-hmm. If, if you get ahead of it in terms of off ice, getting the right people in charge, and then getting ahead of the public and saying, essentially saying, forget about the next season for sure, and probably the next one. And then and then the expectations are so low that now we, we look at the Leafs and go, wow, they've really they've come together really quickly. It's because the expectations were, were basically zero for the first year when they tanked. The second year was all gravy, and by second year I mean last season. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up making the playoffs and, and let's face it, overachieved. Um, and then now they're 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 I don't know a top five team in the Eastern Conference. It depends how high you are on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but is 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 that a place to start? Is is the front office first? I I think it might be a good place to start. Like I mean, this is all in hindsight. Obviously the right, Sabres right. aren't going to blow it up again and you know what I mean? It's it's just it's interesting to watch those two teams go through the rebuilds and sort of went in different directions. Well, it's funny because the Sabres they were whatever 5 weeks into their tank season in 2013-14, their first tank season and they they uh the fans were so angry at Darcy Regeer who was a polarizing figure for years and years the for, the, the former Sabres GM. Yep. yep. Just, just not popular with the fan base, and the fans saw this tanking. They were just, they were getting blown out every night, and they were chanting for his name. And it was only October. I mean, the season had just started, and it was, it was ugly. So that's, that's what really, I guess, convinced Terry Pagula to fire Darcy Regeer. And they brought in Pat Lafontaine as a president of hockey operations. They, they didn't have a GM for a while. Tim Murray didn't come on board until January. So they, they kind of started. I guess in so. That, in that yeah. Route. But the thing was, I mean, Pat LaFontaine only lasted till Mar- the beginning of March, so he was on the job uh, not even, or maybe, I guess, four months, and he was gone. Tim Murray had been hired by that point, and he just, uh, I mean, he w- he didn't become president or anything. Uh, he was just GM. I guess he absorbed some of Pat LaFontaine's Yeah, duties. he became the, the main point of contact and, for everyone. And uh, that was that. Their, their big vision lasted four months, so... Uh, bringing, but bringing in a president of hockey operations at that time, and I have a lot of respect for Pat Lafontaine. He was one of my favorite favorite players growing up. Uh, but just, just the, the smart man he is too. I, I could have seen him doing a a, a, a a Brennan Shanahan type thing where, you know, they're in the middle of a rebuild. Uh, you know, that there's going to be some pain, but uh, they address the front office part of it where. Uh, there's a lot of sc- there's a lot of turnover with scouts and you know you're plugging guys into different roles assistant GMs this and that but it never got to that point and it should be noted that uh, th- I think the tank when Ted Nolan and Pat Lafontaine came aboard the the tank was off for several months I mean the, the Sabres were just bad at that point but they wanted to win and then uh, Pat Lafontaine left and it was back on yeah since <laughs> since the Sabres have last made the playoffs in 2010-11. Uh, they've gone through Lindy Ruff, who was with the team then, uh, Ron Rolston, Ted Nolan, Dan Bilesma, Phil Housley, and then on the GM side, Darcy Bergier, who was around for a long time, then Tim Murray briefly, and now Jason Botterill. So 
I wouldn't say it's crazy turnover, at least on the GM side, but coaching, they've, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, five coaches in the last seven or so years. And I get that Rolston was, was never, at least seemed like he was never a long-term fix. But Probably not looking back on it. <laughs> but uh, uh, one other thing that I brought up out off the beginning is, is the personnel and, you know, owners, management, coaches, like the trickle-down effect. One thing that we've seen in the NHL this season more than 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 usual is the meddling owner. We see it in Ottawa. Eugene Melnick has been all over uh, this season in terms of making headlines and, and – nine times out of ten for the wrong reason um andrew barraway in in arizona uh and that might be more of just making sure the place doesn't fall apart Mm -hmm. um and and go off the rails because they're they're in sort of a vulnerable situation given uh, their attendance and whatnot and then you see in carolina recently with uh their new owner tom dundon coming in and saying you know ron francis great guy i think he has great things to say but he's not my guy and i want to go in this direction so but to relate that to Buffalo, what what are the Pagulas like in terms of uh, being involved, and and do you think their level of involvement is is good, is healthy? We don't we uh, we honestly don't see them a lot. That's not to say they're hands off, but ever since the bi- they bought the Bills in two thousand what was it, September two thousand fourteen, it's been different. I think I can't say this for a fact, but I think a lot of their lot or most of their attention might go to the Bills now. Um, so. Is Terry Pagula hands-on? I'm not sure. I think he has his say. Um, I think at times he's been too hands-off and he re- he regretted it. I think he he turned over the keys to Pat Lafontaine for those few months and and uh, he regretted that he let him hire Tim Murray. He said that in his uh, when he fired. Really? Bio, yeah. He, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it like that. He uh, maybe that's saying it wrong. He. Uh, I think he said. Well, maybe he regrets him because he fired him, but regrets because he fired. Him. But I, I, I don't think that's the right thing to say. I think he said he regretted that he was uh, too hands off in that in okay. that firing. So I, I, I don't want to miss. So basically, on that. that he wished he wished he was around more for the hiring process, and that right. you can read into that what you want, I guess. Right. So I, I think it's been hand, and then you hear other stories, and who knows if they're true, uh, you know. You got to pick this guy. You got to pick that guy. So I think at times he's been two hands on, maybe or two hands off. I mean, you, you could you you, you could, don't you have a good handle on it just because they're mysterious right. sort of thing. right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think their hearts in the right place. They've done a lot of good things for Buffalo. Um, I mean, you can just I mean walk outside and you can the growth you see is terrific, and they've made it clear that they're they're Buffalo people and they're, they're in it till the end. And uh, I mean, you, you it's hard to quibble with that. But since he's he, since he's been uh, owner, I mean, they made the playoffs a couple of months after uh, he bought the team, but they haven't made the playoffs since. So uh, it, it 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 hasn't <laughs> there hasn't been a good feel around here for a while. Yeah, that what what have they done? They, so they have the arena here, obviously, right? Um, Key Bank Center, and then uh, I don't know what it's called, but uh, oh, Harbor Harbor Center, Harbor beautiful Center. facility, uh, and that was all Pagula, Pagula right? Uh, he chipped uh, I, the state or the county, whatever or city, whatever chipped in some money, but he put a lot of his own money right. into that. And it's a beautiful s- facility, just two rinks. It's you know it hosted some of the World Junior Games. The world I don't know if you went to some of the World Junior Games there or stepped in for a few. No, months. I was just at this rink, but right. I I mean, but he, I have been there for the combine, so I, I understand right. that it's a really nice facility. Yeah, I mean the World Junior Games there were the games to see, just because this place was just 
empty. Yes. I mean, it was just a, just was, other than the gold medal game, there just wasn't anything going on in the stand. There just wasn't any atmosphere. But the games there were terrific. They were apparently turning people away cause, because it only seats whatever two thousand eighteen hundred. Yeah. But that's a great facility, world class on many levels. Um, uh, it, and they bought the Bills. I mean, my whole lifetime, it hasn't been about the Bills. There's never been anything concrete about the Bills leaving because Ralph Wilson wasn't willing to sell them in his lifetime, willing to move them. But there was always that uncertainty, those rumors that something could happen with the Bills. And ever since they bought the Bills, that's over. I mean, the Bills are going to be here forever. So, I mean, that's terrific, and, and fans obviously love that. But uh, th- they've made missteps on the hockey end of things. I mean, you don't finish, uh, I mean, five years into this, they're going to finish, or excuse me, seven years into this, they're going to finish among the league's worst teams, if not the league's worst teams. Uh, they've, like you rattled off, they've had all these coaches, GMs. Uh, it's, it's been a tough go here. Yeah, and since they, I just looking this up earlier, since they've drafted Eichel, so I'm grouping together every single game since then across the league. They're 26th in point percentage, uh, 29th in goals per game, 24th in goals against per game. Um, their PK has been good. Or sorry, their 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 power play has been good aside from this year. So that's like the one bright spot. Um, the penalty kill has not been good. Like you look up and down and you're like, where do we find the silver lining? Because you're allowing a ton of goals. You're not scoring a lot of goals. It's pretty right, simple math. Right. Like I mean, that. Like I don't like looking at hockey just at such a broad um, level, except when you're talking about years and years. Yeah. Like, like on an individual basis, go deeper and and look at uh, underlying data and whatnot. But like when you're looking at three seasons and you're getting outscored and like very badly, and you're not scoring enough goals every night. Uh, I mean, how, how are you ever? How is that ever going to turn into wins and like, uh, like a, a last topic, and and you you sort of went that way off the top. What what is, what is what is the solution here in in Buffalo? Because Eichel was supposed to be the start of of a new mm-hmm. era, and here we are, three years into it. Toronto's done its thing and and moved up. Uh, you look look at other rebuilds that started roughly around the same time. New Jersey looks like they're on on a, on a great footing. Uh, Edmonton. I mean, they have McDavid, so there's always that fallback, and they do have some good pieces there, but they're not necessarily at the level of, of the Torontos and um, and New Jerseys and, and whatnot, but you would probably take the Edmonton situation over the Buffalo situation. I guess it depends who you are. Um, <laughs> but uh, because I, I, I keep hedging my bets with Edmonton because it's just I don't know I don't know what's going on there. I don't think um, anyone does. Carolina, as, I, as I've mentioned, um, very very slow rebuild, like uh, at a crawl, a, sn- a snail's pace, that you assume will will jump into high gear now that that Tom Dundon is in and presumably is going to hire a GM that's going to want to do things faster. Um, and I don't know, Arizona's ha- there's more optimism around Arizona, I think, because John Chica and and how he has more of a a data driven long term plan. Um, I don't know if, if, if that'll all come to fruition because they started off sort of in, in Buffalo's mm-hmm. place and then they added in the summer a bit with Derek Stepan, with Antti Ranta, uh, with a couple other guys, a couple other pieces, and there's been not much difference this year. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's a, a, a successful rebuild at this point, but circling back to Buffalo, of all those, Buffalo might be the one where there's just – 
a lot more negativity. There's a lot more hopelessness. I, I know this is all sort of depressing, but it, yeah. uh, does it seem on point? Like Buffalo's no, the one that seems right. like it's lost in the dark a bit. Definitely, because they were supposed to be past this by now. They were supposed to be in the playoffs by now. They were supposed to be in the playoffs last season. They got a mulligan for 15-16. They showed a lot of improvement, whatever. They improved 30 points or whatever it was, I forget, under Dan Bilesma. Yeah, they got to around 80 points, right? Yeah, and then you figure, well, next year they take the next step. They're up to 92 to 90, you know what I mean? But they, they regressed last year. But I, getting back to your previous point, I think if you're the Sabres, uh, time is your – is the big thing in this you you time and you have to commit to something you have to commit time to jason batchel and phil housley yes you can't go in another direction because they've gone in all these different directions from tanking to even i guess stopping tanking with phil house or with uh pat lafontaine and ted nolan to going right back to tanking to uh you know hiring dan bilesma to you know kicking Biles out after two years when he didn't deserve to be fired. I don't think Tim Murray should have been fired either. Uh, Bilesma might be the one coach uh, outside of the NHL that's one of the more desirable. Like, like let's say a coach gets fired in the summer. He's probably getting an interview. Well, I think he, I think he should get another job. I think he deserves another job. And it's funny because I've talked to people who, who say, you know, Dan Biles was done. He's not going to get it. Or earlier, on, or, you know, six months ago said, Dan Biles was done. Yeah. He's not going to get another job, blah, blah, blah. And I, I didn't necessarily agree with that. I thought he deserved another chance. Uh, but now you see what the Sabres have here. He probably had them – I mean, he did have them overachieving last year. Uh, you see what a mess a mess it's been here. I mean, he, he looks like the guy that was <laughs> – was, was, uh, right in all this, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, so yeah. to speak. So I think – he will get another job at some point, and I think he deserves another job. Um, but sorry, I, I went. I made you go off track. No, there. that's so, okay. But but essentially, what you're saying is that the Sabers need to have a plan and stick to it. Like, is it as yeah. simple as that from your perspective? It's like, obviously, uh, a lot of things that need to fall right. in place, etc. The the, the 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 simplest thing to say is that they need to stick the time. They need to stick pick their plan. I guess they have it now with Jason Batchel and Phil Housley. They need to commit to those guys and commit to their vision and let it play out. And in five years, or actually, I don't. who knows what the timeline is, but at a certain point in the future, if it's not working out, whether that's four years or five years yep. or six years, then all right. But in the near future for three years, for four years, uh, you basically have to st- stick with them. I, I think, like I said earlier, I think Jason Batchel's the right guy for the job uh he was probably the number one uh front office guy in the nhl who hadn't been a gm who was ready to be one you can make the same argument for phil housley uh top assistant who was ready to be a head coach that hadn't been uh these guys haven't gotten to their positions by luck i mean they've paid their dues they've done the right things they've had success stick with them and just uh, <laughs> let's see how it plays out because uh, they have to just commit to something. I lied before. I got I got another That's topic. Okay, I like I, I always as you want. I always do this. It's like I have my eyes on the prize to to end it. I am hungry like, though, so no, I'm kidding. No, no, well, I am hungry, but take your time. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the this is the best topic, Jack Eichel, and um, how you think he's handled this whole situation of of other teams taking you know a, a rebuild approach and you know ma- you know slowly baby steps and then boom they're in the playoffs and you know sky's the limit whereas buffalo's been sort of up 
down, 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 up a little down. Like the if if you're drawing a line or, or doing sort of a line graph, like it's just been all over the place, yeah. but a lot a lot of it's been south versus mm-hmm. north. Oh yeah. Um and it all kind of came to a head. I'm assuming you were at this press conference at the end of last season. Oh, I was there, yes. Where his uh, body land, and I've talked about this on this podcast before. So uh, anyone who listens all the time, like I think I've talked about it two or three times, like that was a tremendous display of good body language because of it showed how competitive he was, but also terrible body language because uh, it seemed like he was in a lot of ways seemed a little bratty, but. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think it was a net positive because he was not happy with the season that had just unfolded, and he just he just seems like an ultra competitive guy who you want to be leading your franchise. But at the same time, like people only have so much patience. Right. Well, I see both sides. I had a front row seat for that. I see both sides of it. Um, good on him for just being uh, really, really angry about losing. But I don't think he should have handled it that way. Uh, I don't think l- leaders behave or show that kind of body language and I don't I think it's something that you see the good in it but he shouldn't have done it and um, he I don't think he would handle it that way in the future Um, we've seen him and and I don't think he was immature when he came in here he was very mature in my opinion but we've seen him handle some things differently and uh, be more accountable in the dress not that he wasn't accountable but saying the right things in the dressing room be more be be accountable in that way say the right things but you're right. I mean, he's uh, he's an ultra competitive guy, as you know. When you're a, a guy like him, you either grow up winning championships or grow up competing for them. Or you know, uh, you're always on the one of the best teams. Uh, he played one year at Boston University, played for the national title, and he comes here, and it's the first time he's ever really lo- lost in his career. And it, it, it's it, one thing to lose, like be a middling team, but it's yeah. like to be the worst team, yeah, or one of the worst teams for three years straight. And there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh. Like, and you just signed a deal, mind you. Yeah. He's gonna get paid a lot of money. No one should feel too sorry for him. But man, that that's got to eat at him. I'm, I'm sure it does. Um, and the only time they've really been a, a normal team here is the second half of fifteen sixteen. Uh, they were the second half of that his rookie season. They were basically at a playoff pace for those forty one games, and. Uh, but the other times, you know, the first part of his rookie year, just feeling things out with a whole new team, basically, new coach. Uh, last year, they actually knocked off some good teams last year. Uh, it was their play against the bad teams that really did them in. But last year, last place finish, and this year it just totally falling apart. So this is all new for him, and we forget sometimes he's 21 years old. I mean, he's been the spotlight's been on him for a long time. I mean, going back f- five, six years to when he was – basically just a high school a kid in high school so um i still think he's a terrific centerpiece for this team um the way he was playing uh for the last few months i I thought it was possible he could have 90 points this year i definitely think he has 85 90 100 points in his future on the ice i would imagine you've been like he's come as advertised like you've been pretty much yeah like maybe there's the the odd game that he's a little off but He's kind of been forgotten about when, you know, Line A's doing this, when right. Matthews is doing this, McDavid. He's just kind of done his own thing quietly, and the numbers suggest that he's – I mean, he's not hes not at McDavid's level or even Matthews in, in terms of, like, high, high-end uh, goal scoring or, or playmaking. But, again, these are generational talents. Like, 
Eichel's doing perfectly fine at, at, at at this point in his career. I would say so, yeah. He, he, had a, he had a rough stretch earlier in the season. And I remember I was in Pittsburgh, and this goes back to maturity, and this is something I don't think he would even do now. Just his body language skating off the ice was just so, so frustrating. Uh, like he was frustrated? Yeah, just yeah. like going off the ice. And I, it, it's a human reflex. I mean, yeah. we're all human. But it just wasn't good body language. And he was he was in a rut. It was I think it was, might have been December 1st. And basically, he got out of that rut since then, and he's, he's of course, he's hurt now, but yeah, he, he, he took off. He became an all-star. He became, basically, uh, he sh- saw plenty of signs of what everyone thought he could be. And I, I, think, I think this year, in some ways, will, will probably be good for him. Just uh, this, Actually, not just this season, this last year or so, just going through what he went through last season uh, at the end with that news conference. Uh, he took a lot of the blame for Bilesma getting fired. Well, uh, yeah, I remember that was a whole firestorm, if you want to call it that, and he ended up, Jack Eichel ended up having to, like, release a statement saying, like, I had nothing to do with the fire. Like, it seemed to really go from um, – you know, the, oh, things aren't great in Buffalo to be like, there's a crisis in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't know. Was, was I don't know what's true or what's not, but sort of the way it unfolded publicly, at least, uh, looked rather uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's. I mean, goes basically. I mean, a lot of people pan Dan Biles, pin, I should say, Dan Biles' firing on Jack Eichel and some of those other young guys. Maybe they just they just didn't like him. And that's my thought. You think that's fair or unfair? I I think uh, more might have gone into the firing, but my thought is maybe they didn't like him. Uh, I, I don't think they liked the way he played, uh, although I think looking back on it now, Dan Bilesma played that way. The Sabres showcased that style because he knew they couldn't play the fast way that Jack Eichel wanted to play. Like he so. was playing – he was he – was uh, making the best of what he had in front of right, him, essentially. Right, and I, th- I, th- I think we've seen with this season that that, that that probably was the case. So, I mean, Jack Lickle's been through a lot in three seasons. Uh, I mean, when you're blamed for the coach's firing, that's not easy. But I think he'll be better for all this. Uh, like I was like the body language <laughs> at the podium, the body language on the ice. I think he's gotten that out of his system. I think he's learned taken cues how to be a leader from some of the guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Kylo Poso, and I think next season you could see, you know, a 90-point or more, Jack, 85-point, whatever, point-a-game Jack Eichel, a guy wearing the C. They have four alternate captains this year. Uh, the thought is that they did that just for a year, so Jack Eichel could be the captain next year, and that could be the case. What's the latest on his injury? Just while I have you here, he's a, started. It's a high ankle. It's sprain. a high ankle. The high ankle. I guess he suffered it February tenth. It's his right ankle. It's the other ankle than last year. I think it's better than last year. Like his not injury. as severe. You mean not as severe from the. I mean, I don't think we saw him on a scooter last year. I don't think he's been on a scooter. <laughs> um, he's um, he's already skating. I'm just picturing the scooter now. I can't get out of my way. Yeah, it's actually there's. There's a scooter that a few of the guys that have had high ankle, high ankle sprains have been. It's the same one every time. That's Robin Leonard used it, but um, um, he. My thought is he'll play again this year. I mean, those those are the trick. I've, I've covered some high ankle sprains. Those are insanely tricky injuries where, you know, you think the you time frame it. is. Yeah, I mean, the Sabers have been. Phil Housley said four to six, but the uh, but he he basically said like it's a, the, the team said too it's indefinite. We really don't want to put a right, timetable right. on this. But my thought is that the Sabers uh, want him to play. Well, they've they've said they want him to play. He wants to play. Uh, they don't want to finish last. Jack Eichel being the competitor that he is, 
wants to play again. So even if it's in April and he can get two games in, I think he'll play. Bill Hobby, thanks for your time, man. And uh, let's 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 plug your stuff. So you're with the Times Herald, which is in Orleans, which I Olean, you you bre- how do you say it? Olean, New York. Oh, see, I don't know. Or St. Bonaventure University is the uh, playoff or not playoff the NCAA tournament bound St. Bonaventure Bonnie's men's basketball team. See, I can't even. I know nothing about Western New York other than that's okay. Other than there's Buffalo, <laughs> Tonawanda, Lackawanna. I, I grew up in Tonawanda. I grew up in Grimsby, Ontario, which is about 45 minutes from the border. So I get all your commercials. Oh, okay. Hence why I know about Salino and Barnes and <laughs> you know all the dealerships in right, Lackawanna right. and all that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so to find your stuff, BuffaloHockeyBeat.com. Yep. And then how where how can they find your stuff on Twitter? I forget your, your Twitter. Handle. It's Bill Hoppy H O P P E N H L. And the stuff's in the Olean Times Herald, the Niagara Gazette, the Lockport Union Sun and Union Sun and Journal. So it's in three newspapers. It's it, it's kind of syndicated, you could say. Look at you, syndicated. Oh, that, that's just a term I'm using. It's just <laughs> it's in three newspapers. <laughs> All right, Bill. Thanks again. All right, thank you, John.